He's right here in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And up hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. Hello and welcome to Off The Brawl on Off The Ball. Coming up on our first show of 2019, we look back at what was an eventful end of the year and assess some of the headlines heading into a brand new boxing calendar. To help us do that, we'll be joined by two-time world champion Pauli Malinaji to break down the first marquee fight on the docket. That's Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner. Pauli also has an interesting take on um, Conor McGregor's latest Instagram tirade, so that's well worth hanging on for. Before we get to that though, delighted to welcome to the studio as ever, Phil Egan and Simon Maguire. Lads, how are we? Good, happy new year to you and all that. Is it too late to say that? I'm slightly, that's okay. We're getting there. Okay. I was still saying to people last week. Yeah. Nonetheless, happy new year, Ron. Thanks, Simon. Um, Phil Egan, star of Premier League Live on Today FM. Was it, a good, was it a good day in the Premier League? Yeah, well, we did the Liverpool game and it was pretty dull, but they won. And I can remember when Leicester won the league, used to grind out the one nils. Sign of champions, is that what you're saying? Sign of champions or sign of things to come where the goals dry up, but now nah, Brighton are hard to play against. And they, it's the same at Anfield earlier in the season, but uh, goals to watch out for. Yeah, plenty of Irish um, interest, isn't there? Yeah, Shane Long scores a great goal. He scores against Casper Schmeichel as well. Hopefully we see that later in the year, green in the green. Yeah. Uh, Andre Sherla scores unbelievable goal. Cracker. Declan Rice, I only watched Soccer AM this morning and he was on with tubes and he said, you still haven't scored a goal, Like, how would you celebrate? And he's like, yeah, it's about time I scored. And he scores a few hours later. And did he give him a celebration? He didn't really and Rice went for the, the knee slide. Good knee slide because the pitches are greased so much now, you can't do the Van Nistelrooy where you butcher the turf. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I always think knee slides are dodgy for footballers. It's literally the worst celebration you can possibly do. Oh, those pitches are quite soft. Like I don't really score goals, so can't really do knee slides. Breaking up the play. And uh, resident Spurs fan, Simon Maguire. Yeah, looking forward to the big game tomorrow. Pochettino's audition for the Man United job, yeah? <laughs> you, always, you always hit you with a zinger early. Yeah, you don't know where yeah. it's coming from. Uh, funnily enough, I, I read Brave New World. Um, Again? I only read it for the first time at uh, Christmas. And uh, if anything, he's, uh, it relieved any concerns I had about him leaving anytime soon. I didn't realise himself and Levy were so close. Doesn't seem like it. He doesn't give him any money. The book, well, the book is broken down into months uh, of the season. They finished runners up to Chelsea, and in the first four months, they've already their two families have already been on holidays together twice. Once to Argentina, and like I knew they were close. I didn't realise they were that close. And another instance, talking about money and transfers, Levy came from goes. We need a defensive midfielder, and Palacino goes, No, I'll just turn Wings into a midfielder. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> when you hear stuff like that, you're kind of going, All right, he's there long term. I'm not too worried. Yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be some boxing events in the new White Hart Lane if it actually ever oh, you know, yeah, opens. Oh, yeah, well, they're doing NFL, aren't they? Yeah, they'll do anything at this stage, I think, to make that money Football back. Football stadiums, yeah. 
On to some real sport now, boxing. Uh, it's rare enough we have a chance to do this on a Saturday because there always seems to be big fights on, but like the end of last year was no different. We had two pay-per-views on the last, I think it was two nights before Christmas Eve, so we may as well touch on those. We haven't been in since. We start with Frampton Warrington, which we've, we all watched, I think, even Simon, who was uh, living it up over in Portugal. But um, what do you think of it, Phil? What yeah, think well, film? it kind of went the way I thought it was going to go because... You, you picked Warrington. I went for Warrington on points, and not like it was never a case of Warrington is better than Frampton. He's just at a better stage of his career. He's just, as I said that day when we were talking about it, he is on the way up, and unfortunately for Frampton, he is on the way down. But you know, if you were to look at peak Frampton and peak Warrington, peak Frampton wins. But that's not what happens in boxing. That's uh, but Warrington for me then gets between him and Usyk like our your two fighters of the year for 2018. Like, beat Selby and beat Frampton. I totally go along with that. And, and his dad, it's funny that he was against Jamie Moore, who got the award for trainer of the year, but he probably should have just handed him the award there and then. It's the equivalent of the curse of the Premier League manager of the month. Yeah, because he, like, appalling tactics for Rocky Fielding against uh, Canelo. Don't know what that was about. And then Frampton seemed to have no plan A, let alone plan B. Yeah. He just went in there like a deer in the headlights and... Um, Simon Maguire, who was almost tossed out of that studio door for having the temerity <laughs> to pick Warrington by knockout, and then uh, that first you're, round you're almost vindicated. I was sitting, I was like, "What?" I was like, first round was crazy. <laughs> I was like, "This is unbelievable!" In the first round, imagine he had won in the first round. Uh, yeah, well, look, sure, you just like Anthony called the fight. Did you see him? I did pick uh, Conor McGregor to stop Khabib Nurmagomedov. So these things happen, you know. Yeah, and um, then in London there was a tremendous fight as well, um, Dillian White against Derek Chisora. As with all his other fights, it was kind of punctuated by this ridiculous left hook, which is one of the best punches in boxing at the moment. It, there's a compilation during the rounds of just, um, like he took Lucas Brown out, who'd never been beaten at that point, Joseph Parker, who'd never been down at that point, yeah. dropped him twice, and then Derek Chisora, who to that point like David Hay had obviously stopped him, but that was with combination shots and yeah. really, AJ. really had to put him away and wobbled AJ as well. So I was really impressed with Dillian White. The um, the points deductions for Chisora kind of did for him a little bit. I think it, he got point deducted not long before the knockout punch. I think he was a little bit distracted. His defences maybe were a little bit uh, weakened at that point. His concentration might have lapsed. He probably thought, right, I need to go and knock him out. So he's a bit unfortunate in that one. Um, he was ahead on the scorecards. Although I'm not sure if the point deductions had been tallied at yeah, that stage, because yeah. that has changed now, where they're kind of they're taken into account at the end of fights rather than as you go. I actually wa so Frampton and Warrington is over, so I said right, I have a few minutes to play with here before we get the decision. Mm. So we'll turn over to the other fight, and time that unbelievably, like just as I turn it over, about ten seconds, and then White gets the knockout. I was trying to flick between rounds. But it was, it just wasn't working out for me. Though it was only getting the last five or six seconds of the White and Chisora round, where I was hoping I could get to watch, say, thirty or forty seconds of the last uh, of of each round. But uh, yeah, it was a devastating knockout. Like then the Joshua stuff at the after the fight, you know. Um, he's getting quite agitated, Joshua, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, but he's not the. He doesn't have the control that he he had maybe six, seven months ago. You can see him getting a bit antsy in interviews and getting more ag more agitated uh, around possible opponents and the fact that Wilder and uh, Fury took the 
just completely cut him out. I know we mentioned it a few times, but you can really see it bugging him now that he can't really decide and there's pressure on him to fight two or three people as opposed to just the next opponent the whole time. Yeah, well, as we, even the way he said after the, the fight, he, when he came into the, when he came out of the apron and said, you know, who do you want me to see? Who, he basically threw it out to the crowd because he wants to basically justify maybe if he does end up fighting White again. Mm. Well, it's what I said at the time when the Wilder Fury fight was still very much in doubt. I thought they were putting all their chips on the table to try and, as Simon said, sort of put Joshua to the back of the line. And it's, it's worked out tremendously because ever since he won that gold medal in London, Anthony Joshua was riding this gravy train and he's always been calling his own shots. Even when he won the world title against Charles Martin, he was the A-side in that fight by a country mile. So he's had, it, uh, he's had it all his own way and it might do him no harm to just sort of take stock a little bit and know that there's other players in this division now. Dane White, while we're on it, um, has been mandatory for the WBC title for about 15 years at this stage yeah. and still hasn't got a shot. I don't know what's going on there. Dominic Brazil, who um, Joshua took care of while like 50% fit, is somehow mandatory for that title. So Dillian White's still a ways away of getting a shot at that title. The IBF and the WBO are a lot more stringent and he's now mandatory or close to for those titles that Joshua has. So he'll get his world title shot this year, but he, he probably should have got it by now. The, the bizarre talk of the day is that, I think Steve Bunce broke this earlier in the week, that, and it's something that we probably speculated might happen, Joshua might not take the Wembley date in April, he might go to America, make his debut over there against Big Baby Miller. Talk's a good game, yeah. And to fill the, um, the Wembley date in the absence of Can against Burke, which is off the table, and the other fights that were being proposed. There's talk of Vladimir Klitschko coming back to fight Dillian White, so heavyweight division. That wouldn't work at Wembley. No, but that's, that's the rumour. That wouldn't sell out Wembley, would it? It's a big, it's a sellable story. Uh, no, not at Wembley. Maybe at the O2 or... I can, I can understand where the matchroom team are coming from because they have Wembley booked and it would, it's a face-saving exercise to... Uh, to unbook it. To get it. it. No, I don't think Spurs do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. We might need that date. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. No, I think um, Wembley dates are few and far between, so the, this might be their only chance this year. And I think with the right marketing, it mightn't do the full Carl Froch 80,000, but it would probably, you'd sell out at least 50,000 tickets for that fight with the right promotion and a good undercard. Yeah, I don't know. I, a bit of Callum Smith action maybe on the undercard. They just, are they doing Wembley just too much now? Where Frotch, Groves, we saw like how amazing it can be and then obviously you get Joshua and Klitschko and it was class. Like it, it lived up to everything that you, you would want in a heavyweight title fight. But even, what's it really annoying me now is some of the fights that are going pay-per-view. Mm. It's just like... James the Gale, James Chris the Gale and Chris Eubank Jr. Pay-per-view. Mm. Like, that's a, that's a back in the day, that's an ITV special, but they want it now as uh, a pay-per-view. And it's a great fight, actually, <laughs> competitively, you know, it's a good matchup, but it's the Super Middleweight Championship of nothing in particular because mm. neither of them are going to aspire to world it's titles. A, it's a career-ender, almost. Yeah, it is. Loser leaves town sort of thing. Yeah. But as, as Phil alluded to, this was a great chance for um, Eubank and DeGale to say, we're going to put this on the ITV main platform and get as much viewership as we can, and if it's a great fight, we'll put the rematch in pay-per-view, and it's yeah, just... But in fairness, it's, it's not them, like, it's whoever's pulling the strings there. Yeah, it's a, it seems to be a PBC enterprise. Um, anyway, so, 
We'll move on to the first big show of the new boxing season. That'll be next Saturday as serial world champions Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner square off. To chat about that and more, I was joined by Paulie Malinaji earlier today. And here's how we got on. Paulie, thanks a million for taking the call. Um, I'm keen to get your thoughts on some of the fights that are coming up. But before that, just a word on 2018. I know Andy Lee is someone we've in a good bit and he, just looking back on the year, was saying it's probably the best year boxing has had top to bottom. How do you reflect on the last 12 months or so? Um, I think it's been very entertaining. You know, I think uh, we've had some good fights. We've had some good fights across the board. And I think multiple stables are uh, uh, are able to create good matchups and uh, bring up good fighters that where people are excited about watching them. You know, usually boxing has been a sport where, you know, you've got a You've only got like one or two stables, one or two promoters where they're really make, making the, signing the big fighters and, and making the big fights. But I think at this point in time, you have uh, several promoters uh, from several different countries doing a lot of big things, and uh, and some other promoters just nipping at their heels, also looking to do some big things. So I think uh, you know it, it was a solid year for boxing, and it's promising for 2019 as well. Hopefully. Yeah, and the landscape has obviously changed a lot. It's not the traditional uh, players that were in the business the last 10, 20, 30 years. I know you were at a lot of major fights on both sides of the Atlantic. Are there any in particular that would stick out in your mind? They stick out in my mind that, 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 I, that I worked in the last year? In the last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, I, I worked uh, probably, the big, best fight I worked this year was probably Jared Hurd and Arizona de Lara. Yeah. You know, it was a, a, a all-action fight, uh, top to bottom. And uh, it was really good action, and it was really punctuated with a, a great 12th round as well. So, for me, that was a great that was a great uh, fight to work. But there were several others that were around the table, like uh, Quig versus Valdez, and uh, uh, and uh, um, Dorticos against uh, Gassiev, uh That really, really stuck out to me, and made uh, made uh, for some good fights. Yeah, and the first big fight of uh, 2019 is upon us now with uh, Manny Pacquiao, who's. Uh, recently linked up with Al Heyman against Adrian Broner, who's long been a, a key cog in the PBC stable. Vegas have Pacquiao around a 4-1 to favourite at this stage, Paulie. Is that a fair reflection, or how do you gauge this matchup? Um, yeah, I think it's a, you know, I, I think you favour Pacquiao. He's been a guy who's been a bit more consistent than Broner. Broner, though, is, is no slouch, you know, and, and I think anybody who is an ex-super lightweight or lightweight, really, uh, Broner can compete with them uh, pretty well. You know, I think the only guy... That size, who who has beaten Broner convincingly, is Mikey Garcia, and we know Mikey Garcia is very, very world class. Uh, I think if Pacquiao has anything left, it's a good fight, but I, I do edge Pacquiao in the fight. Mm. And intriguingly, it takes place at welterweight, and neither fighter necessarily natural at that weight. I know Pacquiao, rightly or wrongly, was able to be effective at 147. On the other hand, Broner never really he never really showed his form from 135 when he moved up to welter. I know you gave him loads of problems, and Marcus Maidana famously as well. Um, are you expecting the weight to be a, f a factor at all, or is it kind of a level playing field? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, with these guys both not really being natural welters, um, I think it's, it levels the playing field out a little bit. You know, I think Broner has a lot of problems with natural welterweights, but I think guys who are not natural welterweights, or even super lightweights, I think, uh, Broner fights a better fight, you know. You can see him in his fights against Jesse Vargas, uh, even against myself, you know. Uh, you know, even though the, his, the opponents may be world class, Broner can compete and, you know, and uh, do well, you know. Um, but when the guys are just a natural welter, there's a physicality involved as well. So, so I think Pacquiao not being a natural welter, I think you know it, it could 
be promising for a good fight. Mm. And I know Pacquiao is likely banking on the fact that a win over Broner gets him that publicity and maybe sets up a rematch with Floyd Mayweather, whether there's any substance in that, I'm not sure. Is there any appetite for that fight, Paulie, would you say? You know, it's big names. I think people will always have a little bit of an appetite for the, for the big names. But, of course, Broner also sees himself in a viable position to get a Floyd fight, possibly. You know, Floyd is always teasing people out there uh, that he might come back, and I think he lives a good life, and he lives a, a, a comfortable life. But at the same time, you know, uh, he always seems that, like, he may have a little bit of an inch to want to fight again. So, uh, it's possible, I guess, and I think there'll there'll always be some sort of interest for it. Mm. And in terms of Broner, um, someone you obviously had a lot of history with, um, discipline outside the ring has always been an issue for him, and it seems like a hurdle he's unlikely to ever overcome. Really, it doesn't seem like he'll hit the heights that many predicted for him at the start of his career. Would you say he's underachieved, or was he maybe oversold at the start of his career? Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call him an underachiever. Uh, I, I don't really. Really, uh, I, I I never really saw all the all the um, the big deal about Broner. Mm-hmm. Not to, and I don't want to say that in the wrong way. I don't. I never really saw that like him he was, he was on being, that Mayweather playing yeah. field, so to speak. You know, I I thought I always thought he was a very very good fighter. You know what I'm saying? But but I always thought that he was a, a fighter who was lacking in some departments, and because of that, he was uh, uh he was probably you know, um, not going to be able to overcome some of the deficiencies. I think he's he's a world class fighter. I just think his inability to be uh, to close the gap while punching has really been uh, something that caused him, even against guys his size. And he's always had trouble against guys who prevented him from closing the gap uh, because he he wants to just be able to walk in and close the gap when he wants to. And at a smaller weight, he's a good puncher. So so if he's able to walk in. He can get you out of there with the, with the nice combinations and the power shots. But if you don't let him walk in, even at the smaller weights, he doesn't really have an answer or a response to try to force his way inside. That's where he's lacking a little bit of creativity. And I, and I, and I always noticed that very early in Broner's career. And uh, I don't, uh, I, 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 that's why I say I think he was a bit oversold, but it didn't mean he wasn't a world-class fighter. I think he's been a world-class fighter. I just, I just don't think it was fair to him to put this moniker on him. But, of course... The boxing media is not very intelligent. They they rarely, rarely uh, give me something to, that actually makes me think they're intelligent. And yeah. so this was just one of those, one of the many times where I kind of saw this coming. Mm. And one thing you notably exposed when you fought Broner yourself is that once you put combinations together and throw flurries at him, he kind of freezes under pressure while you're attacking. That's surely going well, to spell trouble. That's going to spell yeah, trouble against Pacquiao, to. isn't it? That, that's... Yeah, that's a, that's a move that, you know, you can kind of put combinations together and, and stay on the outside. Um, and I think uh, uh, Pacquiao, if he has any legs, can do that. You know, I just don't think, I just don't think that, uh, that uh, I just don't know that Pacquiao has the same kind of legs. So I don't think it's a guarantee either. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think a younger Pacquiao with the legs would be in and out and throwing those combinations. Yeah, it prevents Bono from getting his hands off and he'll be too defensive and he'll lose the rounds. But I think the interesting thing about this fight is, is the question of whether Pacquiao does have good enough legs to keep Bono away the whole time and, and be in and out the whole time throwing those combinations because because really, you know, we're not playing a video game. You know, throwing those kind of combinations takes a lot of energy out of you and it also kills your legs. Hmm. And on the flip side, in terms of Broner, are there any tools in his arsenal that will pose Pacquiao problems? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if Broner ha- has comes up with a, a way to to learn, and he's with, with a great trainer, he's Kevin Cunningham. So if he's able to close the gap 
um, in creative ways, and hopefully they're working on that. You know, once he gets inside, he's he's, he's very difficult to handle. You know, he's, his combinations are are very very creative, and he's hard at time. So once he's in that range, so so it's uh, hard to anticipate on defense. So so I think you know uh, if he if, if he's able to kind of surpass this this obstacle of, of f- figuring out how to close the gap correctly, I think he's very dangerous. You know, he's already a world-class fighter, but he's very dangerous at that point, you know? Hmm. And we've already said that the, neither guy are necessarily natural uh, welterweights, but a win, on, on, or in the, a win in this fight, rather, does that make them a player in the, in the depth chart? I know it's, a, it's quite a stacked division at the moment. I don't think that makes anybody a player aside from maybe a Floyd Mayweather fight. I think it makes him a money player. Both of these guys are money fighters, so I think it makes him a money player. But I don't think I, I wouldn't expect anybody to think the winner of this fight could actually, you know, be a threat against guys like Spencer Thurman or whatnot or Crawford or whatnot. Mm. And speaking of the champions, I know Keith Thurman is set to return this month as well after a long spell on the sidelines. When he stepped away because of that injury, he was probably the top dog in the division. Do you think he can get back that can can get back there, Paulie, or uh, do you think the spell on the sidelines might hamper him a little bit? Um, I think a layoff is never a great thing for a champion, but of course, only Keith knows that. You know, only Keith knows what's in his mind. Only Keith knows how this, how much desire he has left, and only Keith knows you know how how much he's really willing to suffer to keep that title and 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 and, and uh, you know keep cementing a legacy. But it's not up to uh, us to really understand that. Only Keith knows the psychology of that. Hmm. And also on the PVC side of things, I know um, Errol Spence, you've touched on it already, is going to fight Mikey Garcia. We spoke about weight classes earlier, and as much as I love Mikey myself, surely the, um, the weight discrepancy there is going to be the, a telling factor in this fight? Yeah, I think so. I think weight classes exist for a reason. If they didn't, if they didn't exist, you know, there would be a reason for it, but they exist because of that reason. So I think both world-class tremendous fighters, but I, I edge Errol. Yeah. And the other champion in the division, um, aside from Sean Porter, is Terence Crawford, who's all set for um, a clash with Amir Khan, it seems. What are your thoughts on that one, Paulie? Uh, I think a few years ago, it would have been a really tremendous fight. I just don't know that Amir is the same kind of fighter he was even a couple of years ago. You know, I always felt like Amir was a nightmare for guys who box and try to time you, and that's what Crawford is. But I don't know that Amir has enough left to, to be able to be that dangerous anymore against Crawford. You know, it'll be interesting to see, though, because if Amir can pull back, pull back some of the things he's done in the past, he can be dangerous to a guy who boxes. Mm. And that fight, of course, means that Can against Brooke is off the table once again. Do you think that fight will ever actually come to fruition, Paulie, or is it another Ricky Hatton Jr. Whitter situation, do you think? Yeah, I think it's a Hatton Whitter situation. I really don't think... Uh, um, I mean, it wants any part of Brooke, to be honest. I think it's become relatively clear. You know, I don't, I don't think Hatton wanted to fight Witter back in the day either. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, of situation when it's like this, when they happen, it's just one fighter who's more popular taking advantage of it and, and using his popularity to kind of uh, pull away from certain fights. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a shame, you know, but of course uh, both guys are world-class and Amir just has earned the right to do what he wants, I guess. Hmm. And you've been great with your time, Paulie. Just another a quick couple of ones before I, I let you go. Um, on the same night as Pacquiao Broner, obviously Demetrius Andrade returns to action, and I know you covered his fight in Boston, and he's someone you've been high on for, for a long number of years. Do you think he can uh, make some noise in the middleweight division now that he's got that belt and the fights might come after? Yeah, I think if Andrade gets himself, I think if Andrade gets himself together, uh, uh, keeps himself out of trouble, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's got a great team around him now with Matchroom. I think he's the table is set for him to be able to uh, uh, put something together. 
uh, for his career and do very well. You know, he just has to keep himself out of trouble. I know he just got arrested on a gun charge, which, you know, a champion of his of his caliber shouldn't be really getting caught up in these kind of things, especially now at a point where his career is finally in a position where it can actually be moved correctly. Yeah, and in the middleweight terms, I know Canelo, Donny Jacobs is looking pretty likely. Who do you like in that fight, Paulie? Uh, it's a great fight. You know, I look forward to seeing it. You know, two great fighters, um, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, and, and two name, two fighters who have a good name too as well. So I think uh, I think it should be interesting to watch. And Javante um, Davis, I know, is uh, someone that people are very interested in. Had that brilliant win over Pedraza, and then sort of disappeared for a little bit while. And we've seen how good Pedraza is with that showing he had against Lamachenko. Do you think Javante Davis can get to the heady heights that people are anticipating for him? Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. He's got a big fight against Abner Mattis, who is a, a multi-weight world champion. So it's a, it's a, you know, you, you try, you, if you can get guys like this on your resume, it, it goes a long way towards building you because Abner has had a great career. Yeah, and are there any other fights in 2019 that you're particularly looking forward to or any dream fights you uh, have in mind that you'd like to see put together? Uh, I think everybody wants to see AJ versus Wilder or, or Fury versus any of the two. And uh, hopefully we get to see some, some kind of combination of that. Brilliant, Paulie. And unfortunately, we can't let you go without addressing that uh, Conor McGregor stuff that was happening overnight. I, I think you dismissed that there's any truth in the fact that there's negotiations for a fight. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Conor knows that, you know, his time uh, is uh, coming to an end. Um, he's, becoming, he's, he's become the piñata of combat sports, just like I predicted he would once he reached this level. Um, and he, he just wasn't going to be able to hack it. And so I think now that he realizes uh, it's happening, He's trying all that he can to keep himself relevant as best he can, even going as far as even going even going even going as far as calling out uh, the the, feather, the Japanese featherweight uh, Nasukawa. You know that that guy just did a that guy just did a uh, an exhibition with uh, Floyd Mayweather. I don't think he was uh, uh, actually you know intending to fight guys as big as Floyd and 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 Connor. You know, physically physically big. You know, he's a very small guy. So, um, you know, it, it was a it was a one-off kind of a situation. And Conor has to understand he's not Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather doesn't lose. Conor loses every year, you know. So so I think, you know, I think Conor twisted up twisted up the roles a little bit. He got a little bit confused. You know, he he, he forgot he was Conor McQuitter and, and thought he was Floyd Mayweather for a second, you know, where he could just walk into the free money because, you know, guys like Floyd have earned that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I, in truth... I think he was just—he's just trying to look for a, a free money because he knows his time at the top is coming to an end. I found it kind of laughable that uh, Nesukawa kind of, kind of uh, told him to step aside and say, "Hey, you know, it's not really going to happen. I'm not—I'm not a." And so I think suddenly, when that happened, you started to notice the rumors about me and Connor. So I don't think it was by—I don't think it was uh, coincidental. I just think it's his team trying to put out things to keep his name in the public eye because. You, there were no talks about me and Connor prior to him trying for Nesakawa. Suddenly, Nesakawa tells him go kick, tells him to go kick rocks, basically. And uh, right away, there's rumors about me and Connor negotiating, which obviously we were not negotiating. Connor uh, is the kind of guy who wants to try to find the best situation for him to try to win a fight and make money. But that's getting harder and harder because in order to make the kind of money Connor wants, needs to fight guys that are going to beat him, and uh, and he, so he's in a tough situation. You know, I don't, I don't think there's a more lucrative fight out there for Connor than me than myself at this point. He can't realistically get anybody like Pacquiao or Mayweather, and uh, the Nesakawa fight was free money. But if Floyd Mayweather got nine million dollars, I mean, what, what would uh, what would Nes- Connor McGregor against get, have got against Nesakawa? Six seven? 
Sure, mm. it would have been free money because you're too big for the guy, but you're going to get a lot more money than six or seven million fighting Paulie Malinaji. So, again, I think truth starts to kind of seep through little by little. The fact that he's walking away from the most money he can get by looking for other fights as opposed to fighting me. Um, and I think it's, I think, like I said, I think it's laughable. I think uh, uh, one thing that Conor McGregor, one big error Conor McGregor made is he's going to be irrelevant in a couple of years. And I will never be irrelevant because I'm always on TV. So I will make sure his legacy is dead and buried because I know he has no legacy. I know his entire legacy is, is, is was garbage. And I know his entire legacy was made up of a, of a small run, sort of like a lightning in a bottle kind of a thing. He actually was not as good as people thought. And it's now being proven because one because a legacy is created over longevity. And Conor McGregor has had no longevity. He's just the punching bag of combat sports. And so uh, believe me, when Conor McGregor is, is, will be gone and irrelevant in the next couple of years, and I will make sure in my time everybody knows how overrated he was, and I will destroy whatever legacy he thought he was going to make because he's a con artist, and, I'm gonna, and I've been slowly uncovering how much of a con artist he is. And slowly but surely, people have started to realize this and understand this and know slowly but surely how correct I was about him with the results he's had. And so that's what he's got to look forward to because it's over for him. Mm. And these rumors aside, I know Eddie Hearn has actually come out and said it's a fight he would be interested in putting together on the zone. Yeah, it's of course. Eddie Hearn said he'd be interested in it. Listen, there's, there's no more, there's no fight that he can make that when he makes more money than, than he does fighting me. The mm. problem is he gets beat by me, you know, because at this point, why are you, why are you looking to fight Japanese featherweights for, for half the money than you would fighting me if you can beat me? You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you, why are you trying to make fighting as Japanese featherweights? You know what I'm saying? Where, where you're going to make half the money, if not even less than half the money than you would fighting me. You know, I'm saying, you know, you kind of have to. You, you, we need the the, the fans and, and the media to kind of put two and two together and make four at a certain point. You know, yeah. uh, and, and I don't think they're 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 cognizant of that or understanding that. You know, Hearn is uh, can easily put the fight together. I'm sure Heyman can easily put the fight together. Showtime has said they'd be interested in it. I, I don't I don't think there's a I don't, I don't think it's a uh, it's a no brainer at this point. You know, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's it's like it's any secret at this point. Mm. You know, there's money in the fight, but you know. I don't need money, and I'm not, I'm not going to go to mixed martial arts. <laughs> he's going to box me if he fights me, and he's going to catch he's going to catch a bed. Yeah. So if, if real talks do happen for a boxing match, it's something you'd definitely still be interested in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. And a boxing match would be interesting. And I'd love to do a winner take all fight just so he go for free. But I don't think he'd ever agree to that. I would love to to fight Conor McGregor in a winner take all fight you know, in a boxing match. I absolutely would love it because now I, w- I would I would beat him to a pulp. I would hospitalize him, and then I'd make him home, go home broke too, you know. But, but and and he knows it, and he knows it, and so I, I it's a shame that uh, even if the fight were to happen, I, I don't think he has the guts to really uh, agree to a ter- to terms like that. Nice one, Paulie. Well, don't worry, you'll have plenty of Irish fans over here if that fight does happen. So uh, don't worry about that. I appreciate uh, that. And right. uh, thanks, man. Great to chat to you as ever. Thanks a million for taking the call. Chat to you soon. Cheers, man. Cheers, Paulie. Bye bye. Two-time world champion Pauli Malinaji there in typically forthright form. Great to have him as ever. Some interesting comments about uh, Conor McGregor, lads. What do we make of that? Yeah. Um, I always felt this fight was going to happen. Um, it's been brewing for the last couple of years, obviously, since they spar together. And you just knew with th- they were kind of creating something that, yeah, this is going to be... Uh, a fight we see down the line. It's like it's one you'll watch because it'll be more competitive than Mayweather and McGregor. Still think Malinaji would win. Um, he's 38, but this would be the kind of fight that he'd put a hell of a lot in for because 
he can obviously clearly hear he doesn't have much time for Conor McGregor and he would like to embarrass him. Yeah. So, you know, you can imagine he'd be telling himself, right, this is just your last f f ever fight. It's a nice payday for you. It's Conor McGregor. You, you know, you, you put it all into the training camp and you can keep doing these. I, I really enjoy him as a, a fight analyst. I think he's very good. So that's a career that he's going to he's going to have plenty of longevity with. And then if he beats McGregor, which I expect him to do, then he'd be able to sit back and think, OK, I was a world champion and, you know, I shut that guy up as well. Mm. Will McGregor go for the winner takes all? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I like the idea, though. That'd be, it'd really add to boxing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, at the moment, it, like for the last couple of years, they've just been kind of throwing shade at each other on social media. But this is a legitimate winner takes all challenge. Like, there's no, not backing down from it, but it's, it's a huge part of the, the negotiations now, I think, if this is to go ahead to the next step. Mm. And it is a, it's a very sellable fight for the reasons you said that. It is, it's a lot more competitive than the Mayweather fight. And no offence to Floyd, but uh, Malinaji's a lot more erudite sort of character. The, oh, the press conferences would be unbelievable. It'd be good and it'd be a lot better. <laughs> <less. laughs> out, out with the popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't be as tasteless as uh, the Mayweather stuff. Like, no, Paulie's a clever guy and he'd yeah. be able to get at McGregor in a more yeah, he just, subtle way. Yeah, know? like even, like he referred to him there as Conor McQuitter. Yeah. You know, he'd have these little jibes there that he'd just be able to, to get at, you know. Conor McGregor has made a lot of money, obviously with his fists, but his mouth has done a lot as well. Mm. But he'd have met his match here. Mm. And we might get on to um, Can Crawford in a minute, but in much the same way as Amir Can reckons a loss to Kellbrook ruins any sort of prospective paydays in the future, if McGregor gets beaten by Paulie Malinaji, even if it's a boxing match, it really hurts his legacy, doesn't it? It really hurts his potential pulling power in the future. Well, you, you, I think it's a fair comment to say that the momentum has been taken out of his career, Conor McGregor's career. I mean, there was a run there when he obviously had the huge card in Dublin, and then there was the Poirier fight, Mendez, Aldo, you know, and Everton was, it just, every fight got bigger and bigger. And then Dasanyos got injured for the, the champ champ fight, and he ended up fighting Diaz. Yeah. And he got it back against Diaz, and then into Eddie Alvarez, and the, the momentum kept going. And then it kind of just stopped when he, got, when he lost to Mayweather. And then obviously the Khabib thing was just a one sided um, beatdown. So, Essentially, he's lost his last two fights by stoppage. He's lost, he's two and two in his last four in the UFC. And if he goes back, like the options are a Khabib rematch, uh, the third fight with Diaz, and he just about eked out the decision in the second fight. So that's not an easy fight. Uh, another fight with Holloway, possibly Dustin Poirier, or he goes up and he challenges for the third title against Tyron Woodley. And that would be a, a huge mistake because Woodley will just do what Khabib did in a far more devastating fashion. So the Malinaji fight is a legitimate uh, proposition at this stage. Mm. And the reason I got onto Polly was obviously to chat about um, Broner against Pacquiao, two lads he's had experience with in the past, obviously shared the wing with, um, with Broner back in the day. The novelty of this fight, of course, is that it's on free-to-air television in the UK and Ireland, which is a, is a novel in itself, Phil, yeah. and it's a great chance for maybe uh, casual boxing fans to see uh, what is close to, if not a world-class boxing fight, you know? Yeah, like Pacquiao is obviously not getting any younger, but yeah, it's on ITV4. That's the kind of, the only time I ever watch ITV4, this, like randomly they might have 
Rocky Four or Rocky Three on and on a Saturday night about half eleven. I, or a marathon, one after the other. Yeah, absolutely. And you get hooked in and you're thinking, I'm not going anywhere. So it's good that it's free to air. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's just so much pay-per-view. I have no problem pay-per-view. Certain fights, you know, live up to it. But they just seem to throw pay-per-view at everything nowadays. But this is... Uh, look, I always enjoy watching Pacquiao. Um, I don't think he's going to when his career does come to an end. I don't think it's gonna end as disastrously as some of the other, like you think back to what Pacquiao did himself to De La Hoya, which it was sad to watch. I don't think that'll happen with Pacquiao. Mm. And it's, um, as I said to Paulie, I can't see either of these guys, it's not a fight that's gonna catapult them into the welterweight picture because neither of them can compete. We've seen that Pacquiao for, reasons of age and Broner's just uh, not good enough basically to cut it with the top class in that division. All of whom have um, fights lined up, obviously your favourite fighter Keith Thurman returns later in the month. Um, with a bit of a takeover job against Josecito Lopez, um, obviously uh, Sean Potter has a fight lined up as well and Errol Spence against Mikey Garcia which we're looking forward to previewing when it comes around. The big, the big news in the welterweight division obviously is Amir Khan against Terence Crawford which is all but confirmed at this point and like the Calbrook stuff aside, and Calbrook unfortunately always seems to be to the side, but it's a great fight in its own right, and um, fair play to Amir Khan for taking it, really, I think. Yeah, like he doesn't really turn down fights, but he loses his fights, so. If you look at his record though. Who he's fought, yeah. Oh, wow. But, uh, like, when you look at who he's beaten. Mm. Um, Maidana. Maidana is the standout win, and the way he won, and he got, he took some big shots, and he, he you know, he, he weathered the storm, and. He was brilliant. I, I thought he was very unlucky against Lamont Peterson. Yeah. Um, and you look at some of the, the lads that he beat, but they were kind of coming. They were they weren't at their at their peak. But I think when Amir Khan does eventually retire, like he'll be known as a fighter that was in always in entertaining fights. You always want to watch an Amir Khan fight, even if he wins or he loses. They're always entertaining because he could be out boxing someone and then he just gets floored and. It's just dramatic. Mm. Or even if he doesn't get floored and stopped, he it just changes the momentum of the fight. Um, so I always enjoy watching his fights, but he's not going to get down as, a, as one of the greats anyway. No. And on Maidana, those rumours, as there's rumours on everything, that he might be making a comeback, but it'd probably be at light heavyweight or something at this stage. Yeah, given he kind of blew, blew up there after the... He's walking around, yeah. Mayweather fight. Yeah. But I don't know. Like Amir Khan... People are comparing it to the Canelo thing, but I don't think there's much of a comparison there because that was like lunacy to jump up yeah, to yeah. middleweight and take on a dangerous puncher. Crawford's not a huge puncher at 147. He's accurate though. He'll He's accurate, and it'll be more of a it'll be a technical fight, and he might it might be sort of death by a thousand cuts rather than one big shot that's going to take Amir Khan out in that one. Um, so fair play to him for taking it, and he probably does reckon that the Brook fight's there. Another loss though, I think really dilutes that fight and it's it's gone from a stadium fight five years ago to barely a pay-per-view fight. Ah, they'll, pay, they'll throw pay-per-view on it, of course when, they will. When did we say we were cutting off the Brook Khan? Well, Khan Crawford is the new, it's, it's in, Simon, it's in. So the press conference for that is um, is the, this coming week. There should be some interesting sound bites from that. By the way, did we actually decide who's winning between Pacquiao and Broner? Did we all just presume Pacquiao's winning, yeah? He's 4-1 to one favourite. Yeah. I think that's crazy. He's a favourite, but he's not a 4-1 to one favourite. He's 4-1 in Vegas, yeah. I think he'll win, but not comfortably. I think it'll be a bit of a slugfest, as, he's, as is his want these days. Or, 
most days, actually. Mm. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty comprehensive points decision. First fight in America in a long time, so he'll be keen to make a decision. And the winner of this fight more than likely will get a shot of Floyd Mayweather if he, if he fancies coming back. He's still back. fighting, is he? Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about the thing on ah, New Year's Eve. No. I'm not even going to mention it. No. Um, next weekend as well, um, on the same night as Pacquiao Broner, uh, Demetrius Andrade returns. Uh, Walter Cowton Dock, unfortunately, doesn't. He's uh, not on the card. TJ Donnie is on the card, though. He um, signed up with Eddie Hernan Matchroom, so it's great, great showcase for TJ. Champion TJ Donnie, yeah. That's it. And presumably they're thinking for a big Irish dust-up between himself and Ryan Burnett towards the end of the year. Presuming Ryan wants to move up and become a multi-weight world champion. So that's a fight we'd all love to yeah, see. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So we talked about, do we decide the TJ was the Irish fighter of the year? Well, Steph, I think, argument that he's the Irish sports person of the year. Yeah. Um, Kelly Harrington obviously has a shed for fighter of the year. And yeah. Katie Taylor's always there or thereabouts. Uh, Luke Keeler, who um, I was chatting to there recently, he beat Conrad Cummings on the Carl Frampton undercard, deserves a shout in terms of he got the BUI yeah, fighter yeah. of the year, so he deserves credit for that. Hopefully we'll catch up with Luke this year at some stage. On the Irish front, uh, loads going on, just a couple of quick points we might mention. Katie Taylor's finally got that much uh, wanted uh, unification match. Uh, it's about time, isn't it? Someone yeah. stepped up to the plate. Yeah, no, she's uh, just got her best pound for pound fighter tag as well, so it's been a good few days for Katie Taylor. Yeah, and um, John O'Carroll will also appear on that card in Mar March around St. Patrick's Day. John O'Carroll, all but confirmed to fight Tevin Farmer um, for the for the title in that one. You have your doubts that Carroll can put it up to Tevin, but do you think with the right game plan he could pose him some trouble, Simon, or what do you reckon? Uh, no, I think Farmer wins it pretty pretty comprehensively. I mean, the way Farmer kind of dealt with um, Tennyson. And even his fight before that, I know he, he he lost it, but he's just a he's come on leaps and bounds in the last couple of years, and he's very slick on his feet, very awkward to hit, and it's just the way Carroll fought against the French guy, Benoit. That's him. Yeah, it just seemed like I he, think he was off colour that night, though. I wouldn't yeah. be judging him off that performance. Yeah, I, I don't like doing. Yeah. But that's where I am. That's where I'm going with this. Yeah, that's yeah. how I'm judging him on that on that fight. Well, we know you like to get into the analytics, Simon. So I will give you time to study the tape, and uh, I'm sure you'll you'll still pick Tevin Farmer, I'm sure. But we'll uh, yeah, I will. Yeah, we'll, we'll analyze that. Put your flights, yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, the Ultraball credit card it's gone missing. I can't find it. So uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, I have to work it out. It'd be interesting to see what kind of an Irish crowd flies over for that if it's a it's a fairly loaded card in Philadelphia. Mm, well, so we've it's got so close though. Like the, all the Irish are over in America, like Philly's easy to get. To. You've been, haven't you? I spent a summer there, yeah. So definitely try the Philly cheesesteak. And there's Irish vibes over there as well. Oh, much yeah. like Boston. Absolutely. And will you do us a favour as well? Will you get a video of you running up the steps? Because <laughs> it was 2001 when I went there, and we didn't have the technology to show me running up like Rocky. <laughs> didn't have the technology. No, we I'll didn't. We just about had phones back then. I'll, sky I'll Skype in from up, from up there. Yeah. So, so we've Katie Taylor, Rose Vellante, John O'Carroll, Tevin Farmer, John John Evan is on that card as well, and Jason Quigley's petitioning on Twitter to get a shout on that card. Whether that's tongue-in-cheek, I don't know, but I'm sure if if he's available and Golden Boy and Eddie Aaron have a good relationship with the zone, so that can easily be put together. So that'll be a brilliant card. Um, obviously, Michael Conlon is doing his customary uh, fight over in America around St. Patrick's Day as well, so much like that show we did. You want to watch his, his lovely new teeth. Yeah. He sported them on the late, late last night. I was thinking, wow, they're, uh, that's an impressive job. It's a brave old decision to get that done. That's, that's confidence. That's, like, I know Carl Fratch got his nose fixed after he finished yeah. his career, but um, 
Michael Collins is so confident that he can miss all these punches that he's doing. Maybe I like he, it, yeah. That's confidence. Yeah. That is confidence. That so. is confident. So um, I think that's pretty much it, lads. Any other, any other points you want to touch on before we wrap things up for this special Saturday show? No, I'm excited, Tyson, excited for the year. Yeah, like Tyson Fury, we wonder what he'd be like after the fight against Wilder and there's already footage of him he's back in the gym. He's looking even trimmer now. Yeah. So, you know, that's... Uh, no sign of Freddie Roach. No, no, definitely <laughs> not. No, no sign of Freddie Roach telling him to go on the attack. No, he's, uh, yeah, like, it just looks like that that fight is just probably proven to himself. Like, I'm, like, I don't know, did he doubt that he could go back in and perform like the way he did against Wilder? But, you know, he's got that hunger back and it's good to see. And just heavyweight division said it was uh, brilliant in 2018 and looking forward to it this year. And are we going to get the the trilogy of Canelo and Golovkin? Mm. What I'm most looking forward to is who are we going to be talking about this time next year. Like I think in our last show before Christmas, we were talking about prospects, and to call Josh Taylor a prospect is probably over egging it a yeah, bit because he's yeah. almost there. But um, I think by this time next year, he'll be a household name. Callum Smith, similarly, he's already a world champion, but if he gets a big name on his card this year, he will also be uh, be right up there. Simon, any? Anything, any fights, fighters you're looking forward to in 2019? Canelo, GGG3, that needs to be closed off one way or the other. And I'm looking forward to seeing Usyk up at heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Usyk. Well, if Triple G loses again, mm. like that, that's a pretty devastating way for him to kind of come to the end. Mm. Well, what seems strange is that it seems like the only show in town for him is to go to the zone because that's where all the middleweights are. Danny Jacobs uh, is in line to fight Canelo in May and Demetrius Andrade is there as well and uh, David Lemieux and all those sort of names are over there. So, And yet it seems like PBC are the front runners to get him so that would be showtime and they don't seem to have a whole lot of depth in their chart over there. He might find himself in a Terence Crawford situation where there's no one to match him up with. Yeah. So it's, it's up to him whether he wants to get paid which is perfectly reasonable at his age, take as much money as he can get win a few fights, retire, um, or if he wants to test himself against Canelo. Because I see people saying, oh, Golovkin against Saunders, GGG's finish, Saunders will uh, run rings around. I'm like, a lot of people thought Golovkin beat Canelo twice. Yeah. So to call him finished is a bit ridiculous. No, I, I just think that for him to beat Canelo, like he actually has to knock him out because the judging does not instill any confidence. He has to knock him out to get a draw, as the, as the saying says. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. An early stoppage just to just to get the the win, but yeah, that's just the way it is. That all the odds are stacked in Canelo's favour. Yeah, and Simon mentioned Usyk. I don't think I've ever known a more unanimous fighter of the year selection. I think everyone picked Usyk as their fighter of the year. Just the most unbelievable uh, run of fights in 2018, and the talk is Alexander Povetkin as his uh, first test at heavyweight, which yeah, would be that would be pretty impressive, ridiculous. Yeah. I wouldn't blame if he took a, a soft one before that, but that seems like a fight that could happen in uh, 2019. So we're all looking forward to that. I think that's our lot for this week. Thanks, Phil, and thanks, Simon. And thanks to everyone for tuning in, as always. We'll chat to you next week. Guess who just got back today? The wild-eyed boys that had been away. Haven't changed, had much to say. But man, I still think them cats are crazy. They were asking if you were around. You was where you could be found Told them you were living downtown Driving all the old men crazy
know that chick that used to dance a lot? Every night she'd be on the floor shaking what she'd got. Man, when I tell you she was cool, she was red hot. I mean she was steaming. And that time over at Johnny's place, well, this chick got up and she slapped Johnny's face. Man, we just fell about the place. If that chick don't want to know, forget her. Now that the boys are here again 